I'm Noah Behrman. And I'm Jen Allen, and this is 149 Sessions. On this episode, we talk about avoidance. Enjoy! Morning, Jen. Hey, Noah. Welcome to the music room. Uh, this is so exciting. Or AKA the office. <laughs> I like being in a new space because it'll, it'll change, I think, the way we, we talk about things. Right on. And yeah. uh, although uh, for me, it's not a new space because That's I spend true. approximately 27 hours a day in here. Um, and it's not completely new to me. I've been here that is quite true. a few times. <laughs> right. But it's new for our conversation. That is true. Yeah. That is true. New for this, new for the podcasted conversation. That's right. Yeah. Because um, I have actually spoken to you when you've been here. Um, <laughs> Like, exactly. no, play it again. <laughs> Jen, why do you keep making the same mistake? Yes. Wait, oh, can you remind me what notes are in an F7 chord? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but let's not beat around the bush, particularly yeah. since today's topic is avoidance. Uh, I was thinking maybe we should have something to eat first. <laughs> 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 got me there for a second that was good yeah, yeah. um yeah well so um i guess a thing that i've been thinking about is um constructive avoidance versus um well i guess constructive avoidance versus not constructive avoidance and <laughs> um and whether you're actually avoiding something or whether the avoidance impulse is actually a way of just postponing dealing with something, which means you're mm -hmm. not actually avoiding it. You're just deferring it for later. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I, uh, I've got this uh, song that I'll be, maybe by the time people listen to this, I will have uh, finished the song, but uh, called Pay Now or Pay Later. <laughs> and, uh, nice. um, and just the idea that uh, um, if you... If you're not really avoiding something and you're just putting it off, um, which we call avoidance, and I mean, again, the impulse is one mm -hmm. of avoidance, then right. you're on some level just accruing interest and making the thing that you're avoiding a bigger thing to deal with later. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, well, we can get deeper into that. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah I, I guess uh, I want to acknowledge up front that on some level, avoidance, which we speak about as being a bad thing and something that, um, you know, marks not dealing with your life properly or whatever, if you can actually legitimately avoid something, that's really kind of awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like uh, if it's like, okay, man, um, you know, I'm going to have to have this conversation with this person who I don't want to have a relationship and don't like uh when i go to this uh um whatever when i go to the art gallery and then I'm, oh wait but i could go to the art gallery tomorrow and then i don't have to deal with this person problem solved the end yeah. and uh <laughs> i don't know if that's the best example but uh you know if um i i don't want to feel nauseous so i'm going to avoid eating the rancid nacho cheese and uh um <laughs> And so, yeah. you know, if if it's actually that by not doing the thing or going to the place or thinking about something, 
you just don't ever have to deal with it and mm. don't ever have to navigate the consequences mm. of it, then that's kind of perfect. Like, like don't. Indeed. And so yeah. what we generally refer to as avoidance, it seems, when we're, when we're talking about such things is not really avoidance, but it's like putting stuff off. So right. I, I wouldn't call mm. it quite procrastination, um, although that can be it too, but sort of the impulse of avoidance without really thinking about the fact that you're going to have to deal with it later. And sometimes, you know, I mean, this is, um, it's not like I have never had like a mortgage or something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some. So, okay. What are you avoiding right now? This is always the, the best question to end as Noah's eyes go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. I guess, I guess if, uh, if we divide it into what am I avoiding and what am I putting off? Because, and um, you would put that as like making a difference in, I mean, for me, I think I would make the difference in, if I'm putting something off, it's because I don't have the time to do it right now. Right. And avoidance is something I don't necessarily want to do. And so I'm putting it off. Right. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of a, uh, a, uh, <clears throat> semantic quibble to an extent or, or in the sense that I guess that's been my latest like internal soapbox mm -hmm. um, uh, or I guess somewhat external I blogged about it recently but uh, the the difference between avoiding something which means I'm never going to deal with this uh, and avoiding dealing with it now mm -hmm. and thus sort of postponing it but, it but I guess if we're talking about it in terms of the impulse of Am I avoiding it because I don't want to deal with it? Mm -hmm. um, I guess part of why I've been interested in this topic is I'm realizing that I've gotten, I mean, there's some things that I avoid or put off just because they are not pleasurable activities. Mm -hmm. So like I've got, uh, you know, like doing your taxes or, uh, um, or, organizing certain things yeah. in my office, you know, going through uh, piles of uh, um, papers that need to be subcategorized or grading essays for a class, you know, and having to come up with all kinds of ways to force myself to do it. Those I see as avoiding something because I don't want to do it, but not because it's particularly emotionally loaded just because right. they are not pleasurable activities and so mm -hmm. I have to be disciplined to not um, not uh, um, procrastinate to the point where there's consequences right. um, <clears throat> and you know I, I try to get better about that over time but um, then there's the stuff of like avoiding avoiding a confrontation mm. or avoiding a difficult conversation or avoiding making some kind of, um, I don't know. Step in, into something yeah. that you're afraid of or. Yeah. And I guess I feel like, um, I'm sure if I think about it, I can come up with some things, but I feel like I've been pretty systematic about making myself in recent years, anyway, mm -hmm. making myself go to those places. And mm -hmm. that, I guess that's part of why I, um, find that I've become attached to this idea of avoidance versus um, deferring with interest right. because ultimately 
I prefer less expense to more expense and I prefer less pain to more pain. Mm, And if I'm in a situation where I can see something clearly enough Mm -hmm. to, uh, to recognize that that's the situation, then I would just rather, I'd rather have the awkward conversation with one of my kids don't worry, my kids, if you're listening. I'm not referring to any specific <laughs> conversation. Um, I'd rather have it now. Right. Uh, I'd rather make with. amends mm-hmm. for a thing that I'm embarrassed or ashamed that I did to somebody I care about. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do it soon and relieve myself of the burden of having it, you know, push on my soul and relieve myself of the burden of having a bigger mess to clean up later. Right. Um, and you know, there's plenty of instances in which I wasn't, you know, something, uh, in my life was so difficult uh, and caused me so much ambivalence that, um, that I, I didn't really have that option. Like I was, uh, I wasn't aware enough of it to make that choice and the sense of avoidance only, um, only became clear to me later like after some period of dealing with it in therapy or whatever and and allowed me to be proactive in a way that I just wasn't ready to yet and I perceive now I may be you know one step away from some kind of revelation that I'm not aware of but I perceive that right now I've been pretty proactive about those big things over the last few years of my life and Mm -hmm. I'm not am not avoiding much mm. right now. Yeah. So maybe I'm I think that's myself. a key point that you brought up though that you have to be mentally aware that you're actually avoiding things. I think that there's a lot of times that we live our lives avoiding things and not really realizing that's what's happening. Totally. And yeah. or it's like a self uh, protection, you know, from being too vulnerable or too afraid of something. Um, so, uh, you have to definitely be more self-aware in order to know that that's actually happening. And then once you are, then you're making a conscious choice Mm -hmm. to either avoid or not avoid that. Avoid or confront as the case Mm -hmm. may be. Yeah. Well, and I think, and, uh, part of it is being aware and part of it is just simply having the inner infrastructure to do that. I mean, I am... Uh, as some listeners know, I am a survivor of childhood sexual trauma, and I didn't start dealing with that until I was like 33. Mm. I'm 46 now, and uh, I mean, it was, I, I would liken it to a thing in the corner of the room that you sort of see in your peripheral vision, but you just make a point of never turning your head yeah. far enough in that direction that it's like in the center of your of your sight lines and Mm. so was i aware that i was avoiding it on a really distant like peripheral um part of my consciousness maybe Mm. um it wasn't like i'm like oh yeah i'll get to that later you know there was no conscious decision making or conscious awareness or very little anyway Mm. um and then at a certain point a i'd done enough other work that i was ready to tackle it and b other things were going on in my life that kind of uh, burst the dam, so to speak, right. and m- made me so vulnerable that uh, I kind of floodgates yeah. opened up and yeah. it was time to start 
dealing with that. So mm-hmm. yeah, and, and and I, it's important if if I haven't made it clear, I, I, I am concerned that I don't want to sound like I'm moralizing or or when I say that I'm not avoiding stuff now. Right. Like right. it's not it's not like I'm uh, somehow above that. It's just that I've had the fortune over the last 13 years or so of being in a position to make a priority of tackling certain things and uh, creating a sort of habit. If you heard a little tambourine there, uh, <laughs> my cat just walked into the room. Uh, he's, he's good at uh, uh, inviting to... himself into places. I just like that he played the tambourine. And he, yeah, just brushed by the tambourine with his tail. So. He's like, yeah. I agree. Um, but th- th- he was our source of levity in that moment. Yeah, right. Thanks, Chester. Um, You're not completely useless. <laughs> he gives love. She's giving me some love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that those are the... I think we all have these in our lives, and it's just a matter of figuring out if it's something that we can actually face at that moment or not. And and there's something kind of mysterious about how those things come up and mm-hmm. how they get worked through. Right. Um, it's not like we could sit and be like, I'm going to face everything that's like facing me in my life that's blocking me from being a whole person right, right now. Right, right. Because sometimes, yeah, it's like peripheral vision. And we're not aware of it as much, you know, it's like right on out, just kind of in line, but we're not, maybe if you hadn't, like I'm trying to say, if you, you knew you had that trauma. Sort of. But like you saw it a little bit there, right? Like, but you, you didn't, you couldn't be like, I'm going to deal with that right now. Like, and maybe, you know, how it came out, it has to come out in its own, you know, mysterious way. Like it has to, um... I feel like that happens at least for me in terms of because I've been at points in my life where I'm like I'm being so honest with myself I'm really you know seeing everything as it is and then six months later I find there's new stuff in there and I'm like oh Mm -hmm. like I didn't even know that that's what I was doing and then I'm like oh that's what I'm doing and then and then it makes more sense but um it feels like that kind of avoidance it's not really avoidance all the time it's more of like a a self-maturing that that brings up things that shows us that's actually avoidance and it's almost like self uh what's the word you know we're trying to just exist and be safe right right and so is that really avoidance i don't know because if you're not really fully aware of it I feel like that that term avoidance implies that we are aware. Right. And I guess that's on some level part of why, well, is this true? I, 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 one of the reasons why I sort of was being provocative up front in this conversation is maybe on some level I'm looking to destigmatize the word avoid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if, uh, if one of my students who does not yet have the musical infrastructure to play really difficult tunes decides not to try playing Coltrane's Giant Steps, mm-hmm. non-musicians out there, it's a difficult tune, um, then are they 
avoiding the hard thing or are they just taking a realistic look at the infrastructure that they do or don't have to tackle something like that and Mm -hmm. they're waiting until it makes sense and on some level i mean i'm pretty certain that my not dealing with my trauma history until i was older was a necessary survival mechanism to build that kind build the resources internally and externally that would allow me to survive the very difficult process i mean not literally survive but to to stay whole through the Mm -hmm. the difficult process of tackling that stuff head on and Mm. uh i don't wish i'd started doing it sooner you know Mm. I, i don't i don't wish that when i was a college student and um, generally fragile and without a whole lot of community or resources that, uh, that I was, I mean, on some level, I wish I was liberated to whatever degree I'm now liberated sooner, Mm -hmm. but I, I didn't have, I don't, I don't perceive now that I had then the, the foundation to deal with something like that. Mm -hmm. And so on some level, it's just this natural process. I guess to me, the, the thing we can be this is tell me if this is too far out um the listeners it will be too late to tell me because i will have already said it by then <laughs> I'll keep them accountable. um right thank you um but on some level what we can do proactively even in a situation like that mm-hmm. is try to be honest and searching and so on and deal deal with whatever we can deal with yeah. so if you're if you're a beginning intermediate jazz student and you want to play giant steps playing giant steps isn't the way to get there it's systematically building yourself up to become a person who can eventually do that yeah. and so if you live your life um, in a way where you are avoiding uh, or deferring dealing with whatever putting off not looking at the things that you could handle in that moment and you're in a in a constant state of self-distraction or self-medication or delusion or whatever to mm-hmm. beyond what's necessary just to survive your day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to make a value judgment about that, but it is not necessarily the, um, the path towards getting to that place of confronting whether it's your demons or whether it's tangible situations in your life. Right. And so... I guess I'm on one level when I was 19, I was avoiding the stuff that I started dealing with in my 30s. On another level, I was dealing with all of the things that I needed to mm-hmm. to to get through the pile and build myself up into a person who could handle those things. Yeah. And, and in that sense, I'm actually pretty proud of myself that I kept doing that yeah. work so that when the time came, I was ready. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's there's something to be said for investing in that kind of honesty with yourself and facing a situation that is uncomfortable because I think there's therapies like this too Hmm. where you know they put people into uncomfortable positions like so if you're afraid of I don't know public speaking or something you have to go and do it all the time interesting uh what is it called People aversion are, therapy? No, uh, it's not that. Immersion. Immersion. Right. <laughs> it was something yeah, urgent. Aversion therapy is the opposite, I guess. Yeah. So like that you you are building up some kind of um, tolerance, but you're understanding what those feelings are. And I think that that's often the thing we're trying to avoid is some kind of feeling. Sure. Right? We don't want to feel something. Um, and so therefore... We don't do it, mm-hmm. you know, like talking to somebody about something we don't want to talk to them about, you know, 
because I know I'm going to feel a certain way and I'm trying to right. avoid that for right, a little right. while longer. Um, but the more you do it, the more you get, you realize that that emotion is not going to hurt you. It's just an emotion. It comes right. and goes. You know, it's just showing you that you feel something about a certain situation. Um, and so when you can deal with it in those smaller levels, it builds up some kind of tolerance so that when you mm -hmm. get to the bigger things, you know, it really helps you get through that. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and this, this is for small things in life, too. I mean, not it's not small, but like if I think about musically, I, I do this a lot in my music. In, in my musical worlds, I will avoid certain things because they seem like they're not going to give me the results I want anyway. Right. So, Which actually sounds really smart. Yeah, but the thing is, if I really want something, does it matter if it gives me some kind of result that I'm, you know, the two, uh, let me give a better yeah, example. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not understanding um, what you're saying. So, like practicing, mm -hmm. you know, I love practicing. On one level, really? I just really love, love oh, doing. I like just sitting down and working on things. It's fun, right? Um, but if they're not getting me gigs, it's not getting me gigs, I feel like it's wasted time. Hmm. But those are two different things. Like, I love practicing for just the enjoyment well, of it. I so, envy that. And then, but I get there's like something that it brings on a feeling in me too that I don't like that, you know, well, no one's going to hire me for this or I'm not going to get mm. this or I'm not going to do that. And it, so it brings on some kind of emotional like stress. So then therefore then I'm like, well, I'll practice later or I'll do this later. And then all of a sudden I'm putting off something that I actually really enjoy because there's this other emotional component to it. Um, I mean, I don't do it as much as I used to do that. Hmm. Um, but I used to do that a lot and to my detriment, you know, because then you're putting off things that, you know, if I was just purely thinking about my enjoyment and my growth as a musician, I would have been investing in myself instead of right. investing in a fear, which I felt like the avoidance was. It was like Interesting. an investment So like in that. you would then practice things that you were less emotionally invested in, but that reassured you that you'd be able to get gigs because you were Trying learning to how that. to do that or thing just that not relevant. practice at all okay. either one yeah and so i think that there's it's not always black and white what's happening in our heads of course. <laughs> oh man yeah you know it's if it was it would be like do this then don't do this and then it would be done but sometimes and then we wouldn't have a podcast yeah <laughs> exactly but sometimes so really convoluted and trying to brush off the dust and see what's actually happening and be honest with my like with myself and just look and say okay this is what i'm doing so you know just sit down and do this even if those feelings come up deal with the feelings and see what what you can kind of make of that mm -hmm. and uh and some days i can do it and then other days i don't because it's too much yeah and uh I don't know. I don't really have an answer for that completely. I mean, as I said, I've kind of gotten more in tune with it and I understand why I do it. But if I look back to when I was like 20, I don't know, probably around my early 20s, mid 20s, I did that so much because I was so afraid that I was not good enough. Mm. And those feelings of not being good enough were so overwhelming that it was easier for me to just not do it 
And then I could be like, well, it's because I didn't do it. Right. And that was the answer. And the avoidance was like, I'm just going to put it off because if I had tried and then failed, it would have been right. even worse. Right. You know, and then having kids was my next excuse. It was like, hmm. well, I've had kids. And so this this slowed me down on things, which is true to a sure. point. Um, it really does at the beginning. But it doesn't have to. You know, I, I definitely made some very specific choices of, you know, I, there were years where I don't think I would touch the piano for weeks well, be, other unless I had a gig mm-hmm. just because of fear of not being good enough, which sounds so silly and so counterproductive. But that's that's where you were. That's at where that time. I was. And the, and the avoidance was like, don't don't do it, because if you do it and still fail, you know, and I think that's a very common thing of very of young people. Like if you if you, you know, I see this a lot. In, in teenagers that I, I teach that if you just do, if you avoid the thing you're afraid of then you can blame it on something else and um, that's interesting I guess I find uh, both in myself though I've learned to push through this impulse but also mm-hmm. in students there's uh, um, it doesn't even get that far and not that you're saying that people are intellectualizing yeah. like that they're actually consciously thinking, thinking. Yeah. I think what I find is part of it is just that that feeling of being not good at something or failing or awkwardness or whatever is just so uncomfortable that without any further thought, people just stop when they hit that point. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I used to do an experiment. I haven't done this in a while, um, but maybe I'll do it again. So students pay attention uh, <laughs> uh, where if someone was clearly for if I had a student who for who expressed ambition and yet for weeks in a row was not improving at all mm-hmm. on a particular thing that I thought was fairly straightforward, then I would say, OK, pretend that I like, uh, you know, choked on a taco or something and had to uh, had to leave the room and all of a sudden you had 20 minutes to practice. Um, so I want you to pretend I'm not in the room and practice. Mm-hmm. And, and very frequently I would see that student start to do something, get to the point where it was hard, mm-hmm. fidget a little bit, try it again, and then close the book and move on to the next thing. Right. Like basically stop at precisely the point where digging in would be the thing that would... Uh, yeah. And, you know, I came to perceive I sort of just didn't get it at first came to perceive that that feeling of I'm not good at this is so just so um terrible for some people that on some level one of the biggest skills you can learn as a musician I I've come to realize is not getting attached to that or not Mm -hmm. you know like just sort of being able to marginalize that or even on some perverse level enjoy that feeling of like, oh, well, here's the place where I'm not good at it, so here's the opportunity to to, to grow it. as opposed to I'm a big fat loser. Yeah. And uh, Well, I think that that's, uh, a, that's a psychological – like I remember being in psychology class talking about it's our brain's way of helping us be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So like sure. as soon as something difficult happens – we're distracted. It's the time you think about what's on your phone or the thing you have to do. And right. and it's it's like getting over that, being aware that your brain's doing that and that it's a, uh, a mechanism that comes up naturally to help us be comfortable. But when we want to work through that stuff, we have to be aware. We have to be thinking this is a, a hump 
and I need to get mm-hmm. over the hump and I can't, you know, just turn around and walk the other way. Right. And it is really apparent in music. And I think most students do that. Yeah, I mean, most humans do that. Music is just uh, a, nice a scenario, <laughs> a scenario in which it's uh, there's a very obvious uh, result right. that you can see. Um, you know, we don't we don't see how people are navigating that in subtle aspects of their Correct. interpersonal yeah. relationships and so on. And I mean, right. I think for me, it's been a matter of maybe it's like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if I see that happening, learning to be okay with being uncomfortable and mm-hmm. or to think well you know I'd rather be uncomfortable now than be uncomfortable later when I'm navigating the consequences of having avoided this thing right and uh um which would be more uncomfortable and so and it still happens you know like several times a year um through this jazz up close series that I curate I'm learning sometimes pretty challenging music from composers whose stuff I've often not played before and I'll invariably get to a hard part and when I get to that part, when I'm practicing it, there is everywhere else I would rather be. Right. You know, like everything else I would rather do mm-hmm. um, than make it from measure 16 to measure 18 of this tune. <laughs> and I have to be yeah. super focused on like, you know, like my, my, I mean, it's as if I'm parenting myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. um, adult me has to, um, let's say, Listen, I know this is uncomfortable, kiddo, but, uh, you know, you're going to get through it and uh, and it's really going to be much easier if you just take the 10 minutes now to play this really slowly and mm-hmm. deal with the fact that you feel like a loser because you haven't figured out the fingering yet. And, yeah. uh, um, and you know, that pretty much the only reason that I'm not just like a useless hunk of protoplasm on mm. the bandstand now to whatever extent I'm not it's because I've learned <laughs> how to how to do that yeah. And... yeah and I think if we don't do that it it can become habitual and we and then you don't see it you know I, I don't I want to say just up front that we shouldn't feel badly if we're avoiding something sure. um, but maybe just the awareness of it is is important um i think that's the key thing i mean overall if if you're if you're aware that's a gift Mm -hmm. and it's like a little gift that if you can take it and unwrap it and say i'm paying attention to my life right now whether it's music or interpersonal relationships or whatever um situations that that gift will grow over time and how you deal with other situations. Totally. And um, and you build habits that way. Right. Sort of it becomes, you know, once you've confronted things to a certain degree in your life, then mm-hmm. um, you're not having to figure out, how, I mean, you may have to figure out a particular situation, but you're not figuring out on a fundamental level how to work through that discomfort because right. you've sort of made made a habit of that and it's one of the one of your go-to strategies which you can choose to enact or postpone or avoid depending mm. on you know you can sort of have i mean feeling out of control is one of the scariest things and so you can sort of reclaim a certain degree of control by saying you know what i'm just not going to deal with this person right now because i don't have the Mm. the patience to have a 
kind interaction um, or yeah. or I'm just too stressed out and right. I'll deal with it later. And I, I and, and that's coming not in a way too. You need yeah. that, you know. And, and and that way, it's coming from a place of agency. It's coming right. from a place of I trust that at some point this will be a conversation I can handle having. Right now is not that point, right. and. So I'm not at the mercy of the universe. I'm actually choosing to not put myself in this situation at this moment. Mm. And uh, and I will at some point in the future, unless I don't, which I'll also choose. It's funny. I never really put two and two together that avoidance is some sort of control. Like, but that's... It can well. It can be. I it guess. It can be. And it I mean, it's sort of whether whether you're choosing to have that control or whether it's sort of an unconscious mechanism. And, right. Uh, which right. I suppose it's... It's uh, it serves that function either way, but uh, right because I I mean I think that's such a natural human tendency is to want to have control mm-hmm. over the uncontrollable, and uh, yeah. Hmm. But at least we can control what we can control, and I guess that's why I make the distinction between I mean this sort of pulls it back, maybe not full circle, but. 270 degrees of the circle or something <laughs> back to what we were starting with the the distinction between avoidance that's um just sort of a, a bad habit or not making conscious choices mm-hmm. you know like paying interest on something that we actually could have afforded to get with cash up front right. um literally or metaphorically uh or whether it's just you know beyond what we can handle at that moment and we're we we're sort of interest. at the mercy yeah. of these sort of unconscious impulses acting through us so to speak mm-hmm. and and i guess um to me if i were to give advice it's mm-hmm. uh if there's the things that you actually have the that you actually could navigate there's certainly benefit to choosing to navigate them even if not right at this moment at some point before the interest compounds and if not then you know if you're like why why do I not have control over this why am I avoiding this situation that consciously I don't feel like I should be avoiding and yet I find myself doing that then doing whatever work you can to start peeling that onion and getting closer to the core of what's going on so that eventually you have control over that or agency over that situation how much do you think that is a well because we've been talking very personally like this is a personal thing that we do on our own Mm -hmm. but i i think that it can be a communal thing as well in terms of or uh, a support system kind of thing where you rely on others Mm -hmm. I, i think i tend to try to do everything on my own right and that has come to you know bite me in the butt Mm -hmm. (laughs) um a bunch especially as of late but that you know being up front with those feelings it doesn't i think sometimes it's so scary in our own head and then we Mm -hmm. get outside of our own head and we realize oh it's really not that much and if you have somebody to bounce an idea off of that it's really it kind of it's like that idea that uh something is so much more scary when it's not said out loud and then as soon as it's out said out loud it seems smaller and more manageable and then if you have somebody else listening to you who is a good support you know you can kind of say oh well well maybe here are some steps you could take right you know and then and then all of a sudden your high anxiety is lowered even just wow 
You're going to yeah. be okay. Just even mm-hmm. a listen, like a listening ear. Yeah. I mean, any of that. I, I, it's funny because this whole conversation, I've been thinking totally about myself doing <laughs> it, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm like, again, you're doing it, Jen, again. And it's not just a uh, a self thing. It, it, it can be something where it, sometimes it has to be like maybe, you know, where we have to go to therapy and work it out. But that's, again, we have a therapist, yeah. somebody who's yeah. who's kind of sitting there and listening and, and just being um, no, I, 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 with us. I totally agree, asterisk. Um, the only asterisk being or the only caveat being mm-hmm. that, or, or highlighting, I, I wish I remembered the exact word, but you're talking about if you've got a supportive person who you can talk to or whatever, mm-hmm. the... It does require a certain, in my observation, uh, a certain amount of good decision making. Mm-hmm. That sounds judgmental. It's uh, <laughs> stop being judgmental. <laughs> I can't shame, stop shame, shame. Um, <laughs> judging everybody right now. Sorry. Um, uh, it requires basically if you do the same thing and you've got a lousy support structure, or you've got right. people who give bad advice or who are not emotionally equipped. I mean. I'm able now, you know, 13 years later, however many years later, to um, to talk more candidly about my process of processing um, my trauma. But, you know, it took me a while before anybody but, like, my spouse and my therapist um, knew about it. Right. And a lot of the early responses were not good, yeah. you know, quite honestly. And... Uh, Um, it did, I didn't go public until I was sort of ready for that possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were some situations in which I think maybe it was a net neutral. I don't really know how to, how to, um, quantify that, that Mm -hmm. I told somebody net neutral in the sense that their reaction was not good, Mm -hmm. but it at least affirmed to me that I could get through that and right. that I wasn't dependent on the guarantee of a good reaction to be able to voice my truth. But right. I certainly wasn't getting support in those moments and I wasn't getting clarity in those moments. I was, right, uh, right. So I think it's... Uh, it's dependent on the situation for sure. So so ideally you've got um, some kind of healthy community, however small or however intimate or not, um, that where you're not shouldering those burdens uh, entirely on your own and you can, mm. you know, um, the the impulse of avoiding can be um, neutralized to some degree by realizing you're not carrying the full weight yourself and mm. hopefully reducing the anxiety accordingly. Yeah. And uh, um, unfortunately, not everybody has that. Has yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and it's, you know, I, I, it is not within the purview of this episode or probably any other for me to give advice about how to construct that if you don't have that. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even then, there have been moments when, uh, um, when I wind up doing the management of someone else's uncomfortable feelings around the stuff that, that I'm, you've shared with them, that yeah. I'm sharing uh, yeah. rather than receiving support. And, uh, right. and you know, and that's okay. You know, I mean, that's, 
in, in those moments, I'm confronting somebody else with something that they may or may not have the infrastructure to deal with. And mm-hmm. I have compassion for that. And right. uh, so how do, I guess, uh, the question for the atmosphere, but you're the only other human in the room. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess I'll put it to you and to myself is how, how can we, how can we train ourselves to confront um, either confront or choose to avoid, uh, mm. as the case may be, to, to basically to have agency over how we are dealing or not dealing yeah. with stuff and how can we how can we know? I mean, I've had situations that have been, personally, that have been sort of convoluted where um, I see that I'm avoiding something mm-hmm. and um, and so I step back and I say, okay, well, I have three choices here um and of course as you know with me once i quantify a list then i start adding things to it but i think (laughs) i think i'm going to say three choices um and i don't literally have this conversation with myself but this is sort of like an overarching uh an overarching way of summarizing several conversations with Mm -hmm. myself that i have had inner monologues inner dialogues whatever Mm -hmm. um so choice one is to just keep putting the thing off and assume that maybe at some point later I'll deal with it. Um, Choice two is really deal with it. Mm. Um, Like really deal with it soon, Mm -hmm. even if not right this moment, like make it a priority or an intention to, uh, to put that in the forefront of what I'm navigating at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. Or um, decide that, I'm just going to continue to avoid it. So, um, so just don't do it. Yeah. You know, like if I'm trying to figure out how to deal with a difficult situation and one of the choices is to simply extract myself from the situation and I calculate that, that, that there aren't significant consequences for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not like something where the same, stress that is manifesting through that situation is just going to attach itself to the next situation and it really is like if i extract myself from this thing then problem solved stress solved and there's nothing to avoid anymore um you know tell tell uh and i'm not talking about you if you're listening tell this musician you know what i just don't want to play in your band anymore um be nice about it but uh but if, if something about that situation is causing me stress and I'm avoiding dealing with it and just not being in that situation takes away the stress and there's nothing for that stress to attach itself to because it just wasn't a solvable issue, mm. whatever it was, then, you know, that's legitimate. And sometimes putting it off is legitimate too. I mean, I've had, I've had interpersonal tensions where I've... I've um, summoned my courage, um, brought up what amounted to, say, 30% of what I had to say to that person, Mm -hmm. calculated that was all that could be absorbed at that moment, Mm -hmm. waited a year for the next 30%, and actually have brought about the resolution I desired, and it took four years and a certain amount of patience that had it worked out differently, I could have gone back and looked at as avoidance. Mm. Like 
if if after four years nothing happened, then why didn't I just pull off the whole right. band-aid at that moment? But I calculated that this was as much as was going to be constructive at that moment for me or for the other person right. or both. And um, yeah. so I guess for me, um, and then I will cede the microphone, so to speak, but uh, for me, there's no real straightforward answers except for the one very straightforward answer of if this is a priority, if mm-hmm. um, confronting rather than avoiding or at least making choices about what or if or how to avoid, if that's something that you feel will make your life better, then it takes a fair amount of nuanced thought. It's, yeah. it's not something where you can just flip a switch and uh, um, decide... I mean, I'm sure that immersion therapy can be really effective, but it's not the only answer yeah. if you're not in a, in a day-to-day way working to become a not-avoidant person. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how I would add to that other than saying it takes being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and every day making, for me, it, it's a priority to sit and listen to what I'm actually feeling and thinking and taking those moments in the day, whether it's to meditate or just write or be quiet um, and really care enough about what I am feeling and thinking to give it some kind of space. And I think for a long time I didn't do that and I didn't think it was worth it. Mm. And I think that that, that stuff helps us because if we can, if we can have those moments, then we can actually, confront something you know um right but if we're not taking those moments um or we don't think we're worth it then it's it's hard to to get to those next steps that's deep yeah i'm not going to try to add to that (laughs) fortunately there are god willing more conversations to come yes thanks jen Thanks. thanks